God bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. And you and yours. <laughs> and God bless little Tim. <laughs> and Merry Christmas. <laughs> I do have the joy of the Lord. It is my strength. Glory to God. Anybody else got the joy? <laughs> Where's Neil and Donna? You got joy? There they are in the back. They came, the first, that's the first thing out of their mouth. Joy! We got the joy of the Lord. Amen. I can't believe it's Friday. Is it Friday? Wow. Brother Jonathan, are you ready? You. <laughs> now, is it. Just rub it in. It's really good for your skin. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm sorry. We're, you're family here. I'm sorry. I, I'm not formal enough. I know I'm not, but uh, God bless you. We got, oops, let me get that off there. You got something on there. Come on up to the pulpit. I won't hug you. you, you we might. Ah, look at that. <laughs> bless you. Hey, folks, we're so honored to have Pastor Jonathan with us. I... Uh, I am pleased that he could make contributions, deposits, impartations into our hearts and into our church family. And, and I just trust that your love will just suck him in to, to uh, meld us till we can't tell where he begins and we end. And we're one in Christ. And Amen. I'm totally serious about all that, brother. Yeah. Really, really enjoy. Are you ready to receive? I'll turn it over to Pastor Jonathan. <laughs> Let's pray in the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand up and pray in the Holy Spirit. Marobosh etu mundis atemosh ateakeatas atamarobosh eakeamaha. Erobosh eameandikis atarabasete mea shate comande rebes oyakayasha. Orabosh eamandekea sataya setumahe and dekes ataya la robosa. Eraboya shetere bayakanda. Mosharakatiasha. Ooh, there is glory today in this place. There is glory. Yesterday I was about to grab this watch. I forgot that it was attached to the pulpit. Praise the Lord. Are you happy to be here today? I'm telling you, uh, I could listen to Pastor Sidney all day long. Talk about the name of Jesus. My favorite preacher is Pastor Dave Landis. Bar's... But Barb told me that I am her favorite preacher. <laughs> My wife and I, we were like, whoa, I, I got some stars in heaven. Barb thinks I'm a good preacher. That's a great thing. I know that she was, her number one is Pastor David. She also likes me, so that's, that's great. Praise the Lord. And, and I left drunk last night. Didn't go to a bar. It's just the Holy Spirit was all over Pastor Dale. And uh, it's been a great time here uh, worshiping and, and spending time with you. And uh, when I was, 
Huh? Of course. And I have the love of my life here, of course. Uh, my supermodel wife, praise God. Uh, anointed woman of God. I want to ask her to please come over here quickly. Just, you just want to wave? Okay, like the press. There you go. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Um, so I'm, uh, when it comes to our assignment here in Pennsylvania, it has been really relatively easy because Pastor Dave and Barb have laid such a good foundation. Uh, in, in Harrisburg, Word of Grace Ministries is a church uh, that is well-founded. Well so once a firm foundation has been established, it's easy to continue on. And that has been our experience, and we've, we've seen wonderful things. Um, I was meditating when, when Pastor Sidney was talking about the name of Jesus, and a couple of stories in my life popped up. Uh, I'm a PK, so I have a whole bunch of stories, a whole bunch. And one of them is uh, my father and I, uh, and my... It was my father, my mother, uh, one of my brothers and me. We went to visit my father's church treasurer in Camden. She had recently had uh, some heart surgery, and we went to visit her. And um, she had a, like, uh, a couple of uh, Doberman pictures. Is that how you said Pinchers? Doberman? Doberman. Doberman. Help me with my accent. Sometimes the words don't come out correctly. You can correct me at any time. Uh, and uh, so they were being, um, you know, she had other dogs to mate the, uh, her dogs. Breed. That's the word. Breed. 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 That's what I do with my wife. So, <laughs> so we went when we went to the house, they, they, had, they had the dogs, of course, in a separate space. And when we left, they forgot that we were leaving. So there, there was a space, like, let's say, from here to, this, to, to where the sound man is at, uh, back there, uh, between the, 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 her front door and a little gate that she had to the street. Um, and uh, so when we left, the dogs attacked us. And what my father did, he ran towards the front and he closed the gate behind him, leaving my my mom there. So 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 she and he'll tell you this is true. I'm not making this up. He even tells this story many times because he uses it also, even though he's the villain, he uses it uh, as an illustration. So he, clo he, he, he closed the gate, and so my mom, the, the dogs are, I see them jumping to attack my mom. And I simply said, Sydney, in the name of Jesus. My brother was shocked. He was right behind me, and the dogs became like little, little puppies. They came down. We exited. The only one who suffered a violent attack was my dad. <laughs> Um, the pastor, the, the man of God, the man of God. How could you close the door on me? That's what my mom said. Uh, also, 
I, I was, uh, I was the, the, the music leader, the, the, the choir director. I was a worship leader. You know, I said, PK, you do all things. And um, our, the church in Camden is located, pastor's been there, 27th Street. And there is a street that runs through Camden. It's called Federal Street. Because Sydney was mentioning that, you know, how many have seen dead people being resurrected in the name of Jesus? Well, I'm the only one who has seen a dead person being resurrected because I killed them. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I, I killed them. So I'm, I'm driving. Uh, my sister is next to me on Federal Street. Uh, we're driving. It's a Saturday afternoon. We have rehearsal, rehearsal in the church. And as we're driving, I was driving it, a white Toyota Corolla. It was the thing back then. And... Uh, <clears throat> So I'm, as I'm driving my car, two teenage kids um, from the area, uh, they were, later on I found out they were high on, on drugs, and they, they were riding two bicycles, and they came right in front of me. There was no way of avoiding them. I put the brake uh, on my car. I avoided the first one, but the second one I hit him. And when I hit him, he jumped up. I hit his bike, of course. He jumped up. He fell on top of my car windshield, he broke it, fell on the floor, cracked skull, dead. Um, so I get out of the car, I'm with my sister, she gets out, I get out, a group of his friends surround us, and they're telling, and of course he's dead, and they're saying, you know, you killed them. You killed them. Uh, so what do you do when that happens? There, there, was a, there was a church, uh, an African-American church that, that was right in front of the accident, and they came out and they said, no, 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 it wasn't his fault. They didn't even know who I was, but they said, no, this, this kid really jumped. But this, so this, there's, a, this, there's, there's a fight going on, and of course, I get possessed by the Holy Spirit. I call that, I don't know if that's the word that you should be using when it comes, but that's what happened. So the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I went to the young guy who's lying dead, and I put my hands on him. And I said, in the name of Jesus, come back. And the kid came back. Uh, he confessed. Not only did he come back, the cops came. He confessed. They took him to the hospital. He said it wasn't his fault. And I know that he lived because years later he sued my insurance. Years later. And that, I, I don't, that, that doesn't sadden me no more. I didn't pay it. The insurance paid it. But that, to me, that serves as a testimony that he was around. God completely resurrected him. Why don't you give the Lord some praise? Yeah. So, so maybe I'm the only pastor that you know that killed somebody and brought him back to life. Praise the Lord. Of course, I didn't want to. <laughs> Pastor Dale, that's good, that's good. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, today I, I'm going to be talking, the, the title of my message, and I hope they can put the title uh, uh, on the screen, is uh, The Greatest One of All Time, The Goat. Shout with me, The Goat. Doesn't sound very spiritual, right? The goat, the greatest one of all time. The goat. 
doesn't sound very spiritual. Um, we talked about authority and about the fact that we can use the name of Jesus. And Jesus associated great faith with authority. So there's, there's an understanding that in order for you to function in that sphere of faith that moves mountains, one must understand authority. And Jesus' greatest compliment to an individual was not to a Jewish person, was to, to, a, to a Roman general. In, in, in Matthew chapter 8, he said, and I, let's go there quickly, um, Matthew chapter 8, in verse 5, he says, When Jesus was entering to Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And notice I'm, I'm reading Paul's version of the Bible, the King James Version. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. And of course, that, that, that understanding was probably because he had heard some, some of the rabbis preaching their interpretation of, of how a Jewish person shouldn't be associated with a Gentile in their own roof. So there's probably some wrong theology there. But nevertheless, this is what uh, struck Jesus. He says, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Now, when Jesus marvels about something, it's because it is huge. He marveled. He was like, wow. And said to them that followed. In Hebrews, amen, amen. It's a double positive. Verily, verily. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And notice that both instances of great faith are usually associated with a Gentile that knows authority that trusts in authority. So, we can use a name because the, the authority to use a name has been granted to us. The Pharisees and Sadducees questioned Jesus, and properly so. Because he was moving in a realm of authority that they had never seen. He's telling people, your sins are forgiven you. They've never seen that. No one can forgive sin but God. He's exercising authority over demons. He's exercising authority over sickness and disease. So they question him, where does your authority originate? Where does he come from? And he gets very close in giving them the answer. He doesn't give them the answer, by the way. He gets very close because he only will give you the answer if you give him an answer. 
Let me explain that. Go with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. Verse 23. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching. And said, by what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority? By the way, look at me. This is a valid question. You could not be a rabbi without going to a Jewish rabbinical school. And what I said, a Jewish rabbinical school, I'm not talking about Jewish like we understand. Jewish, I mean Jewish, you had to go to Judea. A, a, a Jew in, the, in Jesus' time was not what we call a Jew in our time. We call a Jew anyone who is an Israelite. But for the Jews of Jesus' time, Judeans were the ones who lived in Jerusalem. Judea. They were the Jews. The other people were, were uh, the, uh, Galileans. They were also Jewish, but they were the, the Hicks. They were the ones that didn't go to Gamaliel's school of theology. They were the fishermen, tradesmen, a construction business. But the Jews, they were the temple people, the lettered individuals, the one who knew the law. So Jesus decides to grow up in Hicksville. And they, if they call you a Galilean, they were not saying, notice that whenever they said they wanted to really despise Jesus, they call him a Galilean, because really what that means is that you don't have an education. You are from over there, and you have close relationship to the Gentiles. Even it's called Galilee of the Gentiles. Even though there's Jewish folk there. Because they didn't have the advancement, the knowledge of the law. So here Jesus is not only healing and doing miracles. He's teaching with authority. And they ask him, where do you get this authority? Who gave it to you? Because as a, as a, as a teacher of the law, you must be appointed. They know, as a pastor, I was appointed. Pastor Dave, Pastor Dale Armstrong, lay hands on me. They lay hands on me. They appointed me. This young couple, they were appointed. Who appointed you? Who gave you this authority? And Jesus is about to answer the question. He doesn't, but he almost does. He tells them. Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing. And if you tell me, I will tell you. Is that, a, is that a treat? If you tell me, I will tell you, and likewise, by what authority I do these things. Because basically he's telling them, listen, if you understand this, then you qualify for me to explain to you by what authority I do these things. And then he asked them the question. Are you ready for the question? The baptism of John, where was it from? 
Was it from heaven or was it from men? Hmm. Now we're getting into authority. The baptism of John. He asked them that question, of course, because they did not allow John to baptize them. Why? John was very unorthodox, John the Baptist. One purification was not done in a river. There, was, there were pools in Jerusalem, the pool of Siloam, that, uh, for example, that were, were designed, they were in Jerusalem, not in some river by the Jordan. There were pools with the waters of purification that you did ceremonial washings. So if you were going to be purified, you did it in Jerusalem. But here is this crazy man with an afro, I'm thinking, with, with crazy clothing, camel's hair, eating locusts. I went to Uganda, and I, when I was preaching in Uganda, they said, Pastor, we want to take you for a treat. I said, what, what is it? Oh, we, we eat grasshoppers here. I said, no, thank you very much. <laughs> they, they actually, in Uganda, they fry them, and they eat them, and they're, according to them, a deliciousness. No, thank you very much. They already got me one. They got me, they got me in Angola. I went to preach in Angola. In, in that, that is, a, is, a, is a socialist nation, very prosperous nation in Africa. When you go to Angola, you think you're in Wakanda. It's very advanced, very prosperous. And when I went to Angola, after the meeting, the pastor laid a table of food right after we preached. It was a big you would have loved it. It was the packed church. Holy Ghost was moving. They put, a, after the service, a big, long table of food. And you uncover everything. And here they had beans. There they had rice. Then salad. And then they had worms with onions. Worms. Help my, my you got to help my pronunciation. Worms with onions. And they said, Pastor, you got to try them because they taste like shrimp. Oh, I was a fool. I had one. It did not taste at all like shrimp. When I got home, my wife said, do not kiss me. I filmed it. I filmed it. I filmed the whole thing. If you follow me on Facebook, you go to my old videos. It's there. I had some some crazy stuff. So, but anyway, going back to John. So John was baptizing not where the purification should have been. He's over there in Bethabara, the place of the crossing, and he's baptizing people there. That's unorthodox. You don't do that. What are you you doing, John? So, the prostitutes the tax collectors, the notorious sinners, they're baptized by John, but the Pharisees and Sadducees, no. So Jesus asked them, uh, the baptism of John that you didn't partake on, was it from heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not then believe him? 
But if we shall say of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. So what was Jesus, Jesus going to answer them? By what? Authority. authority. So the question was authority. Are you with me? Yeah. Don't lose it. The question was authority. And he said, I can explain authority to you if you know and understand the baptism of John. If you don't know and understand the baptism of John, you are disqualified from understanding authority. And he, verse 27, he answered, they answered Jesus, we cannot tell. We can't tell whether John's baptism was from heaven or from men. And he said, neither or neither. You can say neither too, right? That's an argument between my wife and I. Neither tell you why, by what authority I do these things. And then he talks a little bit about John here. He says um, in verse 31, he says, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Now this is tough. Jesus is telling them, you are worse. And he's talking to the Pharisees inside you. See, of course, he gives a little parable, but I'm not going to get into the parable before that. But he's telling them, you are worse. Do you know what a publican is? I mean, those were traitors. What's the name of the biggest traitor? You know, in the, in the, in the, in this, in the Benedict Arnold, who died in England. That is the closest thing you have to a publican. A person who sells their country for money. A traitor. So, he's calling them. And he's saying, the harlots, the publicans, go into the kingdom of God before you. Why? For John came. Who's talking, who is he talking again about? John, John the baptizer. I hardly hear anybody talk about John. Oh, but after today, your mind is going to be blown. See, when the Lord told me to preach this message, I said, I said Lord, I just met those people. We're getting to like each other. I don't want to rattle them already. We, we, want to, we want to build a relationship and then I bring the hammer down. But he said, no, bring the hammer today. So here I am. He said, for John came in the way of what? Oh, Lord. John came in the way of righteousness. And you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that you may believe. In other words, when you, when you saw the harlots and the publicans being baptized, and you see that they wanted, they were producing fruits of righteousness after their baptism, you, even though you saw that, you did not submit to John's baptism. So, 
John the Baptist. We hardly talk about John the Baptist. Do you know how great John the Baptist is? Now, of course, we wouldn't agree what Jesus says about John. If I could have a bottle of water, please, I left mine. Okay, look, can you bring me my water bottle so you can, everybody can see your hair? That's my son's hair. You, Caleb, we love you, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to hear after the, after the service. <laughs> um, I was talk, thinking about John the Baptist, and I was like, Lord, what did John do? Elisha called fire from heaven. Moses split the Red Sea. Samson killed Philistines. David killed Goliath. Yet you say that the greatest one is John. I don't even hear in Scripture that John healed anybody. Have you thought about that? What did John do? He was just this colorful individual. When I say colorful, I mean colorful. This Pentecostal shouting preacher who Jesus says, those who dress nice, they, 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 they're in, kingdom, in king's palaces. You didn't go to John to see his latest outfit. Yet, Jesus says of John that amongst those that are born of women, there is no one greater than John. And, uh, of course, uh, you, you know, we know John prepared the way. Uh, we know that he fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. Let's, let's read it. I like to just read scripture, especially when I'm talking about something a little controversial. It says, the voice of him that, Isaiah 40 verse 3, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John says, I, when they asked him, who are you? He knew whom he was not. He said, I am not the Messiah, but I am the voice that cries in the wilderness. And literally, John preached in the desert, literally. So that's, that's like choosing the worst place to hold a revival camp. You know, that's, that's not choosing the nice place. You choose the worst. That's when you know you're anointed. You choose the worst place to hold a revival camp. And everybody goes to you. That's when you know you're anointed. When you go to Ukraine. To preach the gospel in the middle of a war. That could be World War III. That's when you know you're anointed or crazy. Anointed. Unorthodox things. Everybody goes to see John in the wilderness. Whole crowd goes to see John. My Lord. And Jesus testifies of John. Let's go. 
Matthew chapter 11. Because John, by, by, by this time in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus' ministry is developing. So how long do I have? How long do I have, Pastor? 30, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 35. Thank you so much. So John is already, Jesus already, Jesus' ministry is already progressing. And John, unfortunately, is doubting in jail. Unfortunately. And he sends, in verse 2, now when John, Matthew eleven two. 2, now when, when John heard, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Are you he that should come, or do we look for another? Now you know this is not good. So we know that John here is at a low point. And thank God that, you know, when the books are written, God always mentions your high points. You know, by faith, Sarah conceived. So Hebrews 11 doesn't mention when Sarah laughed and she didn't believe. It says, by faith. So God is great taking Instagram stories and putting your high points. Amen? So, but here we see John at a low point. And he said, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So John, you better straighten up. But this is, this is what really caused me. And as they departed, meaning Jesus waited till they left to say good things about John. Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What when you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking with the wind, of course, in the wilderness. If you go to Israel, there are reeds, especially around the Sea of Galilee, that they beautifully move with the wind. But Jesus says, you see that around the Sea of Galilee, not in the desert. What when you are to see a man clothed in soft raiment, wearing Ralph Lauren clothing, Brooks Brothers, uh, whatever? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what when you out for to see a prophet? Yes, I say unto you, more than a prophet. For this is he, this is Jesus talking about John, of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before you. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women. Lift up your hands if you have been born of a woman. That includes all humanity. There has not risen a greater one than John the Baptist. Selah, Selah. Think about this. Jesus is saying that when it comes to humanity, John is greater than Moses. It's greater than David. It's greater than Elijah and Elijah. 
is greater than all. Then he says, there's, there's one greater than John. Notwithstanding, he that is the least into the, in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And the Lord said, Jonathan, who is the least in the kingdom? Who is the least? And, I, you know, when, when, he want, when he wanted to say, to talk about who's the greatest, he called a child, right? He said, in order for you to be the greatest, you have to become the least, the servant of all. Who is the least? Who's the servant of all in the kingdom? Who even right now is feeding us his flesh and his blood? Who even right now is washing our feet with his word? Who even right now is serving us, him being king and Lord? Jesus. The least is the goat. So the only one greater than John is whom? Jesus. And, you know, when I, as I meditated this, it really rattled me. And then he says, <laughs> he takes it even further. He says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. For all the prophets of the law, for all the prophets and the law, prophesied until John. John is the consummation of everything that they prophesied about. And then he takes it further, and when I explain this later on, you're going to jump and we're going to see miracles. And if you will receive this, this is Elias or Elisha. Which was to come because there was an understanding that before Messiah comes, Elijah was coming or someone in the spirit of Elijah was coming. Wow. John. John. When John was, was born, there was a prophecy. His father, Zacharias, was in the temple doing the office of the Day of Atonement once a year. Very powerful day. And he went into the temple uh, in, behind the veil. You had to go with it. He had to first sacrifice a bull for himself for his own sin. And then he went behind the veil with incense. So that the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God would not kill him. And when he's there inside the veil, he sees an angel. Luke chapter 1 verse 13. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and you shall call his name what? John. And you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. And then again, we see the reference to Elijah. Notice that there's a lot of references about John and Elijah. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. 
to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make, uh, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, John, the son of a priest, is filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. We know that when Mary greeted his, his mother, Elizabeth, the baby, John, leaped in Elizabeth's womb. John was energized with the power of the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Now, Zacharias is receiving this vision on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, a famous Jewish feast, annual. The Hebrews, they, they, get, they, they, they confess their sins, they, they get cleansing. The sins were covered. They weren't taken away, they were covered until next year. So, there is something that is said about the Day of Atonement that involves goats. Shout with me, goats. Goats. I told them the title of the message, the goat. Involve goats. So John, I mean, go, to, go with me to Leviticus chapter 16, and I have to hurry up. Leviticus 16. These are instructions for the Day of Atonement. And, and, and these instructions happen because the, the sons of Aaron... Nadab and Eli, Eli, however you pronounce the names, they offered, thank you, that's the other kid's name. They offered incense before the Lord that was not accepted, and the Lord told Aaron how to properly approach the holies of holies once a year. And part of the instructions is that in verse 5, he tells Aaron, that Aaron shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. So here we see goats. Shout with me, goats. How do the goats go? What do they, what sound do they make? Okay. Goats. Now, now, I want you to have the King James Version, and if you have a King James Version that has a strong attached to it, even better, because this is going to take us where we, where we need to go. Verse 8. Verse 7. And he shall take the two goats, the two what? And present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for, it says scapegoat, but that's not the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word there, if you have a strong, is Azazel. Azazel, according to Second Temple Jewish theology, was the name for the evil spirit that lived in the wilderness. It was the name for the spirit that tempted Adam and Eve. Azazel is a name for the devil. So, the instructions are, take two goats, 
One's going to be for the Lord and the other for the devil. That's what the Bible says. You can argue with me all you want. And what, what, what is he going to do? Verse 9. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. I need two goats, please. I need two men. I need two goats. Can I have two goats? Goat number one, goat number two. Please come over here. Thank you. And since you have white hair, I'm going to use you, my brother. Please come over here. But I need you to, I need you to stand right here. No, you, the goats, you, goats, goat number one, goat number two, you stay there. And you're going to stay there. You're a man fit for the purpose that I want to do. Notice, you have to even notice my wording. You're fit for this. You're fit for this. So, Aaron shall bring the two goats, and he, he's going to cast lots. Can I have a coin? Can I have a coin? Who, who has a coin? I need a coin. Coin, coin. My accent. It's not corn. Corn you give me later. Corn you give me later. I just need a coin. A quarter. If you have a gold coin, oh. She, she, she has beautiful nails, and she gave me. And so, cast lots. What, what are you going for? Heads? So your tails. Gosh, look at that. Sorry, sorry. My wife is like, oh, boy. So, so we have tails. So, so you won. So you are the goat for the Lord. So come over here. And what we do for you, we kill you right away. Okay? So, you're gone. God bless you, my brother. You, my friend, you're the goat for Azazel. Okay. So, what's going to happen to this guy? Face me, please, Mr. Goat. His name's Aaron. This is, oh, this is very powerful. This is very powerful. This is prophetic. Have you looked those evangelical Christians? That's prophetic. Your license plate is prophetic. <laughs> I love that. But the goat on which the Lord, the lot felt to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord. So, wow, you are not killed. You're presented alive for Azazel. But you're presented before the Lord. You're going to Azazel, but you're going to be presented before the Lord. And make atonement with him and to let him go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. Now, verse 21. Go with me to verse 21 quickly because I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of time to develop this. This is a long series. And well, what is your name? Aaron. And Aaron, come over here, Aaron, shall lay both his hands upon the head of which goat? The life goat, he says there. The life goat. Uh, the one that's going for Azazel, but he's a life goat. And confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions, in all their sins, putting them, shall with me, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man. Are you fit, my brother? Yes, praise come over here. So you are a fit man. So you grab this goat. And you take that, that goat into the wilderness. Take him. 
There you go. Wow, you guys are good, man. Listen, this is what it says. You, can, you may be seated. Verse 22. Actually, I want everyone to read together verse 22 because this is extremely powerful. One, two, and three. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited. And he shall be led. Oh, you got it. You, got, you already got it. So, Jesus is asked, what authority do you have to tell people that their sins are forgiven? You have not died yet. What authority do you have to heal the sick? You haven't suffered the cross yet. So, when John baptizes Jesus, and I have to go forward. John is the son of the priest. People are coming into the river Jordan confessing what? Their sins. Does Jesus have any sin? When John sees Jesus, he says, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Of course, we know that typology was fulfilled at the cross. At the cross, Jesus took away the sin of the, of the world. And he is the, type, the typology of the, of the Lamb, the Passover Lamb. But this is another typology here. This is the typology that makes John the greatest human. And I said it. The greatest human. John. Born of a, John. Goes to Jesus. Who has no sin. And puts his hands on Jesus. And transfers. The sin of the world on Jesus. Transfers. The sickness of the world on Jesus. From that point on, Jesus was carrying our sin. And the moment that the sin of the world falls on Jesus, the Holy Ghost takes Jesus where? Do you see the parallel reading here that Zach was talking about? The moment... That Jesus, we got to read it because you have to see it. See, this is, that's, I, this, that's why I didn't want to preach this because I knew I was going to rattle you. A man who did not heal anybody, didn't call fire from heaven, didn't do any great miracles, is the greatest. Because he was the Aaron priestly clan who transferred the sin. And by the way, there's so much typology here. I don't have a lot of time to develop it. I'm going to cut it short because, because I need you to, I, need, I have all the verses here, but I need to go fast. Number one, number one, John's baptism was in Bethabara. Shout with me, Bethabara. Is that how you shout in this part of Pennsylvania? Shout Bethabara. 
did I, did I, am I making you sleep? I know I rattled you a little bit, but shout Bethabara. What does that mean? It means the, play, the place of the crossing. It is the place where the Israelites crossed into the promised land in the southern part of Israel. Bethabara literally means the place of the crossing. What else, what other crossing happened in Bethabara? Joshua was called by God to have priests carry the Ark of the Covenant. That is a type of Jesus. And as soon as the priest, you can read that in Joshua chapter 3, I don't have time. As soon as the priests dipped their toes in the Jordan, what happened to the Jordan? It receded back to the town of Adam. That's what he says. It says the town of Adam. The moment the Ark of the Covenant touches the river Jordan, its waters recede all the way to Adam. The moment Jesus steps on the Jordan and is baptized from John, he takes all the sin from Adam. It's not died yet for the sin. It's not died yet. But now he has authority over it. So. So. Matthew. Uh, uh, another time. But if I tell you this type, I'll, I'll spoil the ending, even though it should be ending in five minutes. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew, I'll give you the type in a minute because that's going to be the highlight. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, he's, the word says actually, But when the evening came, they brought unto him many that were what? Possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And healed how many? That were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He took our infirmity and bore our sins. Is that before or after the cross? Before. So he's functioning on a prophecy that is halfway into fulfillment. He is not yet wounded for our transgressions, but he's carrying our transgressions. He's not yet died and removed our iniquities, but he's carrying our sins and iniquities. So he has the authority to the people that open a hall in the, in the house. He had the authority to tell the whole group, your sins are forgiven you. Where did that authority come from? John's baptism, the priestly ministry of John. Then he rebukes devils. He heals sicknesses. He's commanding. He's commanding. He knows authority. Did he do anything before John baptized him? Any miracles? Was he God before John baptized him? Yes. But he was also fully man. And he had to fulfill how many, what, kind of right, what kind of righteousness? All righteousness. All. And I'm going to 
finish with this. There's a lot more, too many viable verses to count. If you have questions, I can, you can ask Pastor Dale later on. Um, but the greatest type, which I love because it's an exciting type for a preacher, is Elijah and Elisha. You remember what happened? That where Elijah took, El- because John has to do with Elijah. Remember the spirit, the, John would come in the spirit of whom? Elijah. Jesus said, this is Elijah that must come. If you receive it, he says. <sighs> then in 2 Kings chapter 2, we see something that Elijah did before he left. He took a particular journey. So listen, this is, you have to be like a detective. You're Sherlock Holmes. She thinks Sherlock Holmes. You're looking with a magnifying glass, particular journey. So, it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, stay here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. So we're going south to the, to the place where Abraham erected an altar when he got into the promised land. And the sons of the prophet that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? They're like, you know, Elisha, I thought you were a prophet, man. We got information that you don't have. The Lord is going to take up your master from you today. And Elisha was like, listen, I know. Hold your peace. I know what I'm doing. And Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Oh, we're going further down. The first city that the Israelites conquered when they entered the promised land, Jericho. This is by the rivers of the Jordan. If you go, the the ruins are there today. Jericho. And the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from your head this day? And he answered, I know, hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me where? To where? Jordan. This is Bethabara. This is the place of the crossing next to Jericho. This is where, where Joshua crossed. This is where John baptized Jesus. And something happens here. In Elijah, in verse, verse 7 or 8, 7, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they stood by the Jordan. So this, this, these are witnesses. The Lord always likes witnesses. People that can tell what happened. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither. And it came to pass that they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha said, I pray a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Double portion is the portion given to the firstborn. I want double what you got. I want the firstborn blessing. And Elijah said, 
If you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be unto, unto you. If not, it shall not be so. In other words, if your mind is enlightened and you see what other people cannot see, this double portion is going to be yours. And it came to pass as they went on that there appeared a chariot and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back. And he stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he smote the waters. And he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the waters divided where? In Bethabara. The place of the crossing. It is said that Elijah did seven great miracles. And it is said that Elisha did 13. But they corrected because Elisha did a miracle after he was dead. His bones were lying somewhere. They were carrying a dead man. And the dead man fell. And his body touched the bones of Elisha. And he resurrected or resuscitated. Shout with me double. That portion through John the Baptist is ours because Jesus said, greater works than these that I done shall you do. Why? Because I go to the Father. Just like Elijah. And did the disciples see him ascend? Yes. They saw him go up. Just like Elisha. And all of a sudden, we have men acting in the same authority that Jesus acted. And it all started with whom? John. The one we don't talk about. The one we don't talk about. Because we don't understand his ministry. Am I invalidating the cross? John said, John the Baptist says, this is the lamb. The biggest, the biggest type that he's going to fulfill is when he dies on the cross. That's the biggest typology that he will fulfill. He will take away the sin. But when he's baptized, he took him upon himself. And he had the authority to function on the earth doing miracles, signs and wonders, and telling people that he had the authority. And now we as believers, as Pastor Sidney was telling, we have the great responsibility to carry that authority in his name. And we are in him. And to us belong the firstborn blessing. The firstborn was a king 
and a priest of the family. And God has made us kings and priests. God bless you. I love you. And have a good afternoon. Praise your Lord. Glory to God. Let's stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. Hmm. I don't remember the actual time frame, but the first time I heard about Jonathan, Pastor David was telling me over the phone. And I remember clearly, he, I, I said, uh, you know, because he was telling me he'd found some, someone to step into his place. And uh, I said, can he preach? And, and David said, he's a real good teacher. He said, you know, every time I've heard him teach, I always get something new. I thought about that today. This just blesses me, brother. I love your part in expositing the word of God. Exegesis, that's the word. Well, the reason I use it is it's a Bible word. Jesus was the exegesis of God. Amen? Well, we'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock, and it's going to be a humdinger. Glory to If Jesus was a hick... I'll say humdinger, glory to God. Bless one another. Well, we have, uh, before we introduce, or before we let loose, take your pick. Before we introduce Jonathan, or let loose Jonathan, uh, we have a wonderful couple that cannot be here tonight because they have to go get on a plane so they can return to their country where they can preach on Sunday. Or, or preach on Saturday? Saturday. You preach Saturday night? And uh, what? Oh, I don't know everything. They, I know this much of what they do. I just push them. And uh, so we, we want, and, and you know, perhaps there's, if there's others who can't be here tonight, let me know. But in particular, we want to both honor and impart strength from the body, from the family, to Jay and Kim. Uh, Jay has had quite a tornado of a year and a half. And uh, back in, and I'm stealing Jonathan's time, and I'll try to be sensitive, but uh, maybe he'll preach tonight a little bit too. We'll make it up to him. Boy, wasn't he good yesterday. Glory to God. I, I'm just, and, and, and not to stroke him or whatever, but to me, it's just always amazing when you see the hand of the Holy Ghost fit scriptures that I don't even have to touch because he preached it. And, uh, and you know, I knew in this whole series, I needed, I was going to preach one night on the name of Jesus and I couldn't figure out how to get everything in there. And Sid said, I'm preaching on the name of Jesus. Is that okay? Is it okay? Glory to God. It's like it takes five players to make a basket. Amen. You ever hear that coach? He said 10 hands to score. Well, Jay was integral in my processing the voice of the Lord uh, March of last year when I had received this from God to do a 10-man project. And it was like half developed. And I called him and I said, can you listen are you where you can listen? And I just preached to him what was coming out of my spirit. And he bounced it back. You, ever, you know what a sounding board. 
And uh, the 10 men was born in that phone call. And I hung, I hung up and I knew what I had to do. Well, at the same time, I knew I needed a, a director on this side. And the Lord said, this guy here, blame him. So make him responsible. And Kim's not smiling. <laughs> so they've done an incredible amount of work uh, to help Ukraine through this. And as I said last night, you know, over $2 million in aid has come through. And it's, of course, not just Jay, not me. There's a lot of people. Adriel's over here. You know, many, many others. And many of you and your giving and some that have, have, have got on the plane. He was just talking to Levi. Where'd you hide? Where are you, Levi? There he is. And many others who traveled and raised the funds and got over there. God bless y'all. But before they leave, we want to lay hands on them and anoint them in the name of Jesus because things are going to get bigger. And everybody rejoices with those kinds of prophecies. Everything's going to get bigger. But if you're David, what that means is you killed the bear and you killed the lion. And hey, shakabundi, everything's going to get bigger, David. Oh, what's that mean? Oh, bigger is what? Yeah, bigger is bigger. Amen, but you're bigger. Amen. So come on, stand up. Move over. Look, we've, we've prepared an oil barrier. For, for women, there's a little dabble, do you, doctrine? Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But for Jay, there's no holds bar. You might want to come forward a little bit. And if he falls, make sure there's a plastic sheet under his head. No, nah, we, we, we like to, to, to have joy in the Holy Ghost, but is, which one do you want to use, Sid? <laughs> Well, we want to. I need somebody to hear. Kevin, come up here and be my bodyguard. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stretch your hands towards Jay and Kim, a pastor, Church of the Word, Delta, soon Church of the Word, Grand Junction, soon Church of the Word, what are some other cities Gunnison. over there? Gunnison. <laughs> Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's the one I wanted. Yeah, Church of the Word, Durango. We're going to cover the West Slope with churches in Jesus' name. Amen. I like to say we when I'm not the one doing most of the work. It's really fun. <laughs> Glory. Amen. Father, we thank you for inspiration of the Holy Ghost in this moment. Terry, you want to come up and join me? I feel like you have something on your heart. Let's, uh, let's anoint these hands. A little more, she said. Glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> Father, you said you'd anoint what we anoint. It's part of using the name of Jesus. We set the, them apart and as holy in the house of the Lord. That these hands are healing hands. These hands are full of power. These, this, these, these hands are your hands. That you move through these hands and touch people's lives and bring them out of darkness into light and out of poverty into prosperity, out of 
you snatch them out of hell, bring them into heaven. Lord, we thank you that everything about their life is blessed, that their children are blessed. Their children are full of wisdom and stability in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for Church of the Word Delta, that there's no strife, there's nothing but unity, great peace and joy, and that the spirit of prayer will never be destroyed. It'll never, it'll never be hindered. It'll never be blocked. And if it ever grows to a low tide, Lord, you'll show them how to bring the spirit of prayer back up to a fervor. And, it, and you'll be known as a praying church. You'll be known by, by those who pass through as, what is this? What is this difference? What is this presence? It's the praying, the prayers of the saints. It's the perfume of heaven. It's the perfume of heaven poured out by angels, the spirit of prayer, the spirit of supplication, the spirit of grace. Lord, we bless you for it. In the name of Jesus. The oil of gladness and unity. Put your hands together. Father, I thank you for this couple, this marriage. Lord, we just declare life over their marriage in every way, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you continue to bring them ever closer in unity as they draw closer to you. Lord, even cause them to think the same things, to have the same thoughts before they even converse about them. Lord, I thank you that you would bring into them a united vision for how you want to do things, when you want to do them, that they would see clearly, hear clearly, walk boldly in Jesus' name as shepherds and pastors of Church of the Word, Colorado. Thank you, Lord. I see you as a catalyst, like an arrowhead. You're way out ahead, and it's a good thing. You're a wonderful example. And you have some wonderful, great ideas. And he's always first. And I see that in you. Allowing him to be first, but you count a lot. And you have a lot of things to give and a lot of things to do. But he's first. And you do a good job of that. And God's grateful for that. And he'll honor you for that because you are a gift to the body there. And they are watching you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's interesting, because I was just going to pray a bit, a bit humorously, but true, that uh, don't, don't worry. If, if he ever stops to realize your value, God will get him. Because you're valuable and precious to the Lord. You're his daughter. And he better know he's married to God's daughter. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Take care of her. Yeah. Yeah. Because trust me, you have to have the best. Because when you have the best, you can do the will of God. Amen? Amen. That's right. Glory to God. I'd hug you, but you're all oily. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> We were kind. Thank you. Oh, thank you.